everyone. Welcome to another weekly episode of The Current Status. My name is Holly Lehman. You can find me on Twitter at Lehman underscore underscore Holly. And I would like to introduce my co-host today, Teresa. Hi, everyone. It's Teresa Miller. You can find me on Twitter at 24by7ITConnect. And today we have a guest that's going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. We'll get back to that in a second. Jim, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure thing. Uh, so my name's uh, Jim Moyle. Um, I work for Microsoft as a, a senior tech specialist, or some might know the role as a, as a global black belt for Windows Virtual Desktop. And I actually came across to Microsoft through the acquisition of a company called FS Logix, which actually mm. now makes up a significant amount of the solution for Windows Virtual Desktop. So I still get to play a little bit with the old technology as well. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we're so happy that you can be here with us today. Um, I think the world obviously has changed so much in the last five months and everything has really shifted to the cloud. Um, are you seeing that that impact um, on the WBD side? Are you seeing more adoption coming with that? Um an insane amount as you can probably imagine um and before march so the the wvd team we had some very um aggressive is the wrong word but you know but some we, we had some some big goals for um ourselves and and the service and, and and where that should be in a few months and we were preparing for that ramp, ramp up and it was ambitious and then, of course, we had uh, we had the, the crisis, and all of a sudden, we were seeing countries pop up who were um, not just doubling or tripling their consumption. It was an order of magnitude more in terms of consumption in 24 hours. Oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, it's a global service. It's a cloud service, and it's built to scale. But you can imagine it, it's still... <laughs> You know, the first time that kind of traffic hits your service is going to be a nervous moment for uh, for anybody. Um, but luckily, um, the, a couple of very small hiccups. But uh, in general, the service coped really well, to be honest, with the uh, with the extra demand. And even though, as, as some countries ease lockdown or go back into lockdown, we see the the demand from countries sort of uh, going up and down. But in general. Um, it hasn't dipped too much. Even when co countries have come out of lockdown, we're still seeing that same demand uh, remain very high, which is, um, in a way, as somebody who runs a service, nice to see. But um, but you also hope for things to to get back to normal as well. Yeah, sure. So I got really excited about this topic, and I jumped right into that question. But as a huge a huge assumption there that all of our viewers know what WVD is. So can we reel it back? That was totally me. <laughs> I was excited. <laughs> That's explain fine. what it is. <laughs> did we did we even uh, name the words in the acronym for anybody? Did we even explain that? Uh, maybe not. So uh, WVD stands for Windows Virtual Desktop, uh, which is Microsoft's desktop as a service um, offering uh, running Azure um, it is uh, currently uh, GA globally and has been uh, has been out for uh, for a year or so. 
band is proving uh, super popular. So if you want to run desktops in Azure, then uh, WVD is the way to do it. Applications as well. So you can do remote applications too, as well as desktops. Well, and in Go ahead, Holly. I was just going to say, you know, in July, you guys just rolled out with a tremendous amount of updates. So it just shows that you're listening to the customers, you're taking the feedback, and, and you're really making this service something that is amplified, especially now that we need it more than ever. How are you hearing a lot of the feedback from our end users for those that are listening with their input? So um, besides people literally walking up to me, uh, in 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 the street, let's call the street Twitter for now. Um, um, there is loads of ways that uh, that we can get feedback into the product group. So there is um, and the customer experience teams who who link directly with uh, with the the product group for you know implementations. There's uh, my team, which is the the GBB team. Uh, and we uh, tie in with the, the product group for, for more pre-sales activities, so blockers that are stopping people moving or design issues or anything like that. Um, there is partner forums, there is user voice, there is a, a tremendous amount of ways we can get um, feedback into the product group. Um, sometimes I almost, I almost think it's too much, right? Because um, Apparently, customers are more important than my opinion, which I think is utterly ridiculous. And the fact that uh, the product group don't always implement every single one of my ideas straight away is is particularly annoying. Um, but um, but yeah, apparently they have to like judge it based on data and stuff like that. Yeah. So, what would you say one of the top updates are right now for customers when you're thinking about how they can use WBD and the most um, the best possible way for their service, uh, what would you say is the best update? Because you, I feel like you guys are, are updating quicker than we could even keep up with right now. So um, the, the best update recently has, we did a major change to the backend architecture, which is going from uh, so non-ARM to ARM. So essentially becoming a first party service within Azure and, and the Azure portal. And that means that, we get integrated to for everything from the, the REST APIs to the PowerShell modules to the GUI to the portal itself. And it's effectively a sea change in terms of um, our integration with other Azure services. And whilst to the customer using a application or a desktop, they will have noticed no difference. For us, it enables so much innovation and so much change. And we're already seeing customers and partners come up with amazing solutions that are now tying all of these services together that perhaps they wouldn't have been able to do in the same way before we made that backend switch. Um, and there's a few things coming down the road um, like that, that, uh, that, that maybe a little NDA for this forum, but there's some other things which are, are sort of, you know, it's still a very sort of young and fresh service, right? We've got to we've got to make sure that these uh, solid underpinnings are, are, are right, and so we can innovate much quicker and, and more efficiently and, and and safely as well for for people in the future. Um, <clears throat> in terms of stuff from a user perspective, the ability to offload Teams to the endpoint device, mm -hmm. so everybody uses Teams, mm -hmm. right? Everybody wants to have a good audio visual experience. 
with Teams. And now, um, if you're using Windows 10 as the endpoint, we can offload that media engine and allow peer-to-peer -peer communication, which, although we could run Teams previously in WVD um, in an unoptimized state, running it optimized gives you a much better user experience. So now that's rolled out for everybody and everybody who's an end user will definitely notice that change. That's awesome. So um, one of the things I'm gonna kind of pick your brain on the technical side a little bit. So one of the things I've noticed is that when you deploy WBD, it feels like it's a lot of steps. Is that something that is being worked on to maybe get that initial setup a so um, so recently releases WVD Quick Start, which will set everything up for you completely as part of a Azure DevOps pipeline in just a couple of steps. Uh, there's no PowerShell anymore. There's no um, agreeing so so like to to integrate with um, Azure because now we're part of Azure uh, as we as we should be. Mm -hmm. um, there is it's so much easier now. So if you've not had a look at it in the past couple of months come back to it and uh, and you'll see how much easier it is so the and quick start guide was released a WD quick start ago, yeah and that's probably just after the last time there we go there we go <laughs> um and so so i want to say that that's an interesting because uh so Teresa, i've known you for many years we're both part of the the cdp uh program we've both set up desktop virtualization infrastructures for many, many customers of many different sizes. Mm -hmm. And when you're saying that WVD takes too many steps, did you do it in less than a day? Yes, but it's cloud. So there's a certain expectation that it's going to be very, very quick. Yeah, I, I would say compared to an on-premises solution, it still is very, very quick. Mm -hmm. um, and there's always improvements in terms of performance, both in both for the admin and for the user, right? That we can uh, that we can make. But yes, WV Quick Start it will set you up super quickly. Good. Okay. I was curious because you know it wasn't hard. Like you can do it. The documentation was there, but it just wasn't cloud quick. There. Yeah. There's expectations. So I'll check it out. I will definitely check it out. Excellent. <laughs> So I'm trying to think what else I wanted. What else is, uh, so we talked about the fact that cloud is being adopted so much more businesses are pivoting. How about the applications themselves that are being deployed into those desktops? Are you seeing that people are adopting the Microsoft applications more? Or are they still really kind of stuck with some of their on-prem applications that they have to push into the cloud? Um can we talk about the OS before the application? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously a brand new thing for Windows Virtual Desktop is Windows 10 multi-session. So previously, everything, if you wanted to do a multi-session OS on premises, um, it was Windows Server. Mm -hmm. And that's been the case for 20 odd years. Um, and if you wanted a client OS, then that had to be single session, very resource intensive. And finally, what we've got is we've got a, a multi-session OS, which is also a client OS. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we started the service, there was certainly um, 
a feeling that people have been using these server OSs, and we support the server OSs as well. And you know, there would be some lift and shift of these server OSs. But it turns out that um, there's such a high degree of uptake for Windows 10 multi-session. So we're talking at 90% of all uh, WVD is run on Windows 10 multi-session rather than Windows 10 single session or a server OS or Windows 7. Interesting. So it's been one of the massive success stories of, uh, of WVD is that Windows 10 multi-sessions become so popular. And the reason I wanted to talk about that before the apps mm -hmm. is because now it means that that app compatibility story is much easier as well because we've all run into apps which don't like being on a server, right? Always, right? They complain that you've got to... Yeah. You've got to break out the app compatibility toolkit and create a shim that tells it it's a really client OS. Yeah. It, it's it's a lot of work. Um, but now we've got a client OS and, and apps are far happier and, and act much more naturally, should we say, on a, on a client OS. So that's been really nice to see that the, the fear that people have uh, that my apps won't work in this environment, which may have been a little uh, valid on when they're trying to do it on a server OS, then uh, um, is is largely not a problem. There still is that kind of multi-session one. If you've got an app that writes something crucial to somewhere stupid, right? Being on a client OS isn't going to change that. Um, so you still got that that uh, that side of that coin to deal with. But um, yeah, we're seeing people bring a lot of their on-prem apps in. Um, it's almost all sort of uh, full fat uh, Office 365 Pro Plus, not seeing a lot of, um, of the web being taken up because essentially people are licensed for the full client. So why not use it? We provide an image with, with that um, on ready and optimized for people to use. Um, yeah, so you know we, we, we have a brand new patched image. The, the latest one is obviously 2004 fully installed with Office 365 Pro Plus and all the optimizations for Office for a multi-session virtual environment are already built into that image and you can just consume that every month and, and have it uh, completely up to date. Fantastic. So when we when we hear a lot of um, our customers talk about the updates that are happening, what do you guys already have a standardized release cycle for your updates or is like, you know, you have Patch Tuesday and things like that, or is it still, uh, Come, come as you are and expect the updates when you get it. Yeah, well, it's very much the latter. Um, okay. You know, this is this is an evergreen cloud world after all. So you get, you know, you get you get you, you get your updates when you when uh, when uh, when they're ready. Um, Which usually hits in the middle of a meeting where. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's a concept in uh, Windows Virtual Desktop called a, a validation host pool. Hostful is a container for your session host, which would be your VMs, like the Windows 10 multi-session VMs. And if you choose to put your VMs in a validation host pool, then you get the changes early. So you get the changes a couple of weeks before they go to production. You can evaluate them. You can feedback on those changes early, any problems that you have. And uh, obviously, either it's a configuration issue or we can, uh, or we can take that feedback and, and make some changes to, to make sure that the changes we are making are good for our current customers. So that's interesting because, and that's a good thing um, because I know from the desktop OS perspective, when 
you know, we get our corporate devices and Windows 10 was being deployed and updates were being deployed, you could actually take advantage of service rings. That term may have changed. Maybe it is pools as well now, but it did allow you some level of control, at least being able to have a set group of workstations that were in a test uh, state, right? They got those updates early. You figure out if it broke something critical on people that aren't going to be very upset if it, you know, did something that wasn't expected. Absolutely. IT being the traditional um, people who are in that kind of role, right? So, yeah, so these validation hospitals are, are purely for Windows Virtual Desktop service changes. Correct. Um, so for for terms of uh, Windows 10 patching, then that's as you would expect and, and as has been the case for for a while and not to do with that. But I, but yeah. I was thinking conceptually it might be similar. I know it's different. Yeah, yeah, ab but the, absolutely. But, but if you had similar, something yeah. similar for Windows 10, I was glad to hear that it sounded like there could be something similar for WBD, which you just I, and that's like, yeah, that's exactly what that is. Okay, so. okay. Just in case we had any Windows 10 desktop admins here, they could make that correlation, right? If they have to shift to the cloud and and they're now using something they and, and administering something they weren't expecting, that could be helpful information. There's some yep. control. And being that you are one of the GBBs, you hear all of the technical issues from beginning to end from our customers. What would you say is one of the biggest blockers that you hear about right now? And what is your typical standardized workaround? Um, so what, one of the biggest blockers right now is people want to have modern management for mm -hmm. Windows 10 multi-session because they've implemented Intune and modern management for their physical endpoints, you know, that that they're, they're endpoint management. Them. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. I started for using the old names. Um so use endpoint manager for their physical endpoints and, and they want to use the same control plane for uh, for Windows 10 multi session. Um unfortunately um that's not ready yet. Uh, yeah. we're working very hard on that. And um, we'll we'll have that out as as soon as we possibly can. Um, so right now the workaround is effectively to fall back to the previous way of doing things with system center configuration and manager. manager, yeah, and GPOs and uh, and uh, things like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's one of those things that we we knew that customers would want, and it was always there on the roadmap. But um, but the roadmap is very fluid. We know that the roadmap is very fluid, right? <laughs> the roadmap can always be reprioritized, and um, it was this sort of um, a ferocity of feedback that people wanted this uh, management paradigm inside Azure for Windows 10 multi session as well, which which did make us adjust that priority on the roadmap and try and get that out to uh, to use when we can. And are you are you hearing anything about a private preview for that, or is it even still too early for for that discussion? So, yeah, it's it's absolutely still too too early for for that discussion as yet. Um, when it comes to public preview or GA, I'd happily come back on and talk to you about it. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> That's awesome. So okay, so let's go to a different element of WVD. Do you ever find that people are looking to protect any of the information they have on on their virtual desktops? Is data protection a conversation? So 
it's a nuanced conversation because a lot of the time people are using WVD because they want to protect their IP because it's not on an untrusted device or even just on a trusted but physical device that is in an untrusted location. Mm -hmm. um, so desktop virtualization has traditionally been a great way to make sure that you, you keep a hold of your IP and, and your data and, and it can't be breached physically from the endpoint. Um, at the same time, you've got customers are saying who maybe don't have much experience of cloud. So like, it's like people will ask me, oh, is, is my data encrypted? So all storage in Azure is always encrypted at rest. And, and they say, well, can I encrypt it with my own keys? And yes, you can. And then, then I started to get odd questions. Like, can I use BitLocker? It's like, hang, <laughs> hang, hang on a minute. Isn't that... <laughs> in case your laptop gets nicked and they, yeah but we've got a policy that all windows 10 machines must have bitlocker on them mm -hmm. right. okay i'm not sure i can help you out with that completely <laughs> particularly seeing as it requires a hardware chip um so yeah some of those some of those uh conversations have been have been um interesting in terms of application but also you know the the these vms are supposed to be stateless we're not supposed to be storing any user data on them anyway right i mean there's obviously caches for you know your applications you know there's an ost file for for outlook and stuff like that but you know we're, we're not supposed to be saving any useful data to their data to your, your your c drive anyway so but i do think that that is a, a misconception with a lot of people that i work with they think that because you have an encrypted device or because you're under these compliance policies that the pai doesn't really matter and, and it does like there are still data points that we aren't supposed to keep and so people forget that, that there's still these nuances within those policies yeah well that's kind of in part why I mentioned it, because like you said, typically there shouldn't be data on there, but I, I expected that the conversation comes up. And, you know, if people are using the Microsoft product suite, in theory, they're hopefully putting, you know, leveraging OneDrive, at least for documents. I know some applications can be totally different where they have their own database repositories, et cetera, but in theory, the data shouldn't be there. But, but you and I know Jim, Holly, you probably do too. People do like to save data on their desktops, whether you want them to or not. But in theory, in this case, it should go away, right, every time. So I think they've well, quickly. Yeah, I mean, what I really like doing, so, so there's two kind of two things here. Um, what I've seen customers do with a great success is um, moving their desktop and documents and pictures folder into OneDrive. So it's synced anyway. And also there's the FSLogix profiles, which if you're not using OneDrive, you can also put your profile information, including the desktop and your documents inside your, your FSLogix disk. And then uh, that can move with you and, and not stay on, to, on, the, uh, on the VM as well. Okay. Now, what about um, different organizations have to adhere to different policy? I know Microsoft's pretty good at making sure like, SOX compliance, HIPAA compliance, like are those actual compliance states? What about like even like, well, data is probably less relevant here, but GDPR, like how does, how does that apply to this conversation when you get into different customers that have different regulatory compliance to, to manage? So if I'm going to be honest, I don't get involved in those conversations 
too much because yeah. I would be more in terms of the, the 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 technical and architectural design conversations rather than the compliance conversations. Obviously, it comes up, um, but I'm probably not the best person to answer. I usually slopey filter that off to somebody better qualified. How does that go? Get the bad out. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just off the thing. <laughs> no, that's fair. I, I know Microsoft as a whole is, is usually pretty good, but I, I know like there's a gov cloud, for example, where government can only function, et cetera. So I was just curious if, if there was any conversation there. Is it really? Yeah, there, defi there definitely is. But, uh, but as I say, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say anything that uh, I'm not qualified to say. We Perfect. Perfect answer. That's the, the best and safe, safest answer. So um, I know we're kind of getting close to being yeah. at time. So I, I don't have any more questions. Holly, do you have anything else for Jim today? No, I, I thought this was a really good conversation. And I'm happy that we got to have you on the show today. I know that WVD, it comes up with all the partner conversations that I have right now. Uh, top of mind for our customers. So you must be one busy human. <laughs> um, put it this way, I didn't get a lot of sleep in March and April. It's quite down sure. a, little, a little bit since then. So um, so um, before we wrap up, I, I just gonna, want to plug a piece of community, um, community yeah. software. Yeah, you should. Uh, so I wrote a tool um, which will uh, compact FS Logisys. So if you're nervous about running out of space on your on-prem storage hardware, or you're in the cloud and, and you want to reduce your, your storage bill, then this will shrink uh, your disk probably by about somewhere between 40 and 60% on the on the first run. And if you go to the uh, github slash github.com slash fslogics, uh, you'll find the, the shrink uh, tool right there. So feel free to uh, download and, and, and use it. And, Obviously, that's a community tool that I, I don't write it as a Microsoft employee, right? So um, so it's just a community thing that people can, uh, can have for free. That's I have to say, I'm always amazed by the people that I work with, like yourself and a, a friend of mine, Jim Britt, who, you know, in your spare time, um, as busy as you are, you're always, you know, putting things on GitHub that make everybody else's lives a bit easier. So that's awesome. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it is. Very all right, cool. you guys, this was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jim, and all the information that you shared with us. Oh, you're very welcome. I'll be back anytime. And especially when there's a preview. All right, well, everybody that called in today, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of The Current Status. We will see you next time. Have a good day, everyone. Yep, thank you.